When I saw what the impact of this ecology was able to do, I said, hold it. I'm not going to be the only man on the block that's getting the cheese. I want the community to get it. And so I made a request of you of what can be done in order for this to happen. And so therefore you've allowed the door to open so that two communities can really begin to come together and merge together to watch this, make a better world, make a difference. Helping people build ambitious and satisfying careers, businesses, and lives. This is the Influence Ecology Podcast. Now, here is your host, John Patterson. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm your host, John Patterson, the co-founder and CEO of Influence Ecology, the leading business education in transactional competence. Broadcasting from Ojai, California, this podcast features case studies, stories, and lessons from business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs who found real solutions, real results, and real satisfaction, not only with work, career, and money, but in every area of life. You'll hear how these ambitious professionals found that those who transact powerfully thrive. Our featured interview today is with New York pastor Bernard Jordan, who preaches that if his faith doesn't get practiced, if it doesn't get measured, then it doesn't get valued. Ultimately, he seeks to have all people know their value. That this is key to honoring others as they honor themselves. His participation at Influence Ecology taught him much about the business of an ever-expanding church, and that those who transact powerfully thrive applies to the condition of life we call spirituality. In our Guru Talk, we listen in on a webinar classroom co-led by myself and co-founder Kirkland Tibbles, where we address the measurement of our conditions of life. As we say it, if you don't measure it, you don't mean it. Here's the interview. Bishop Bernard Jordan, welcome to the Influence Ecology Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you, and it's great to be here, John, loving life and loving what life has to offer. The first thing we should do is have people meet you, so tell people about who you are, what you do, and if there's any history they should know about you. My name is Bernard Jordan. I am a pastor and a bishop in the church. I lead a congregation. I have a wife that this year will be 38 years married. We have five children nine grandchildren, and we touch people's lives. I've been in many different countries of the world, done a lot of work in Africa, South Africa, West Africa. I've been to Korea, have books written in Korean. I've also have a New York Times bestselling book, The Laws of Thinking. And what I do to empower people is I use my gifts, and I am a very intuitive, and I am very prophetic. So therefore, I speak into people's lives. I didn't know you had so many kids, and I didn't know you had so many grandkids, and I didn't know you were married for so long. Those are all amazing accomplishments by themselves. That's that's great. Congratulations. I do want to touch on the prophetic, because that's a particular distinction, and I think there are distinctions around being prophetic or prophetology. I think that's the word that you've coined, or someone's coined, but it's certainly a word that I connect with you about. Tell us about that word and what does that word mean to you and the people you talk to about? 
Yes, profitology is a word that we're working into trademarking at this time. And what it is, is bringing together people that feel they're prophetic, people that feel as though they have these special gifts, that they come to a conference that we have twice a year. And then we have weekly meetings with them of training. So it's a lifetime of training. And it gives people a community to be a part of so that they can share in. And what is prophetology? It helps develop people in their prophetic gifting so that they could be able to articulate intelligently to the world. And so does it have a sense of someone getting in touch with their intuitive, their connecting with whatever resonates with them in terms of spiritual, insightful, and speaking that or giving that a voice? Yes, exactly. They are able to connect with what people would say in the world, higher power, or that which gives them life, or that which source them. And they're able to give voice to the source so it can communicate and they can begin to transact out in the world. And you've been a pastor then for your whole life, adult life, or how long have you been a pastor? 1983, I am the pastor and the founder of Zoe Ministries, which is a nonprofit organization, non-denominational. And in 1983, so when we add up the years, that is 30 plus years of ministry. Yes. And you have a congregation all over the United States, for sure, I know. Is most of it throughout the eastern seaboard, or tell me about your congregation. Yes, we have a local church where we meet locally right here in Manhattan. But our reach, we have churches all over, and we have probably over a million people on our mailing list that we interact with and people we communicate with and give them daily words of inspiration. And every day I write an email blast. So I am in dialogue and I find that the way we are able to impact people's lives is that we speak to them through written word. I want to say two things. One about your congregation and then one about your writing, because you and I have talked a little bit about writing. So for your congregation, I have the privilege and the opportunity to spend time with you and your congregation, some of your congregation, and perhaps friends and family and, and co-workers and, and the like yes. at Zoe Ministries in Manhattan. And I told Kirkland a couple of days ago, the sense of family, community, it is a beautiful place behind those doors. So that's all I got to say. It's just a caring, giving, loving, amazing group of people. It was beautiful to behold. So I really thank you for giving me the opportunity to be there. And, and I want them to know I fell in love with every one of them. They're great. Yes. And we've fallen in love with you too, John. And we have been falling in love with Influence Ecology as well, which is also a community. I think one of the things that really moved me with the ecology and with what this work does in distinguishing environment or ecology is that our growth after the brain has been developed at about the age of 30, then the next place to develop is out in the world in community. And when there is no community to develop in, I share something with our people that isolation is sickness. And so therefore, when you stay isolated, you're sick. If you want to be whole, if you want to create transformation, if you want to create insight, then you need to be able to get in community. 
And what I love about this work is that it encourages community and it encourages for one to transact in a marketplace. It's great. We say isolation is poverty. Wow, I love that. Yeah, isolation is poverty. You are someone who writes, as you said, daily to your congregation, written word, spoken words, and so forth. You have written dozens or hundreds or thousands of books. Yes, yes. You don't stop writing. No, I don't. I don't. Think, right? Every time I have a thought or I get inspired by something or someone, I take it into a communication of writing. I write it for myself because when you write in one state and you read it in another state, it begins to sound totally different. I love writing. I write daily. I'm always in communication and writing. And I'm always teasing and looking for other places where there may be other authors that are speaking about this or something that might be trending in thought that begins to become something that just can be bring wholeness to the world. And we teach personality here at Influence Ecology because there are certain personalities. We do talk about the kinds of personalities that tend to write in order to make sense of their world. Some people speak to make sense of their world, to learn. Some people have to really listen. I have to listen. I can't write because I can't even read what I write. I'm not a talker to learn. I'm somebody I have to listen. So we all have different styles on what we learn. Do you find that you learn when you write? Do you make correlations, connections, piece things together? Or do you write for other reasons? Yeah, when I write, it comes together for me because I can get it auditory, but that's only one dimension. But when I write it, I'm not only getting it auditory, but it's going in through three different modalities. I'm getting it auditory, I'm getting it kinesthetic, because now I have a feel for it, and I'm getting visual. And so with those three, it kind of solidifies it instead of it being brought through just one cycle or one stage. It is now brought through all three modalities that bear witness and seals it together as one. All right, good. Okay, you've been with Influence Ecology now for how long? About a year and a half. I did FOT and loved it, and then I signed up for more. <laughs> You did the Fundamentals of Transaction program, and now you're in our advanced program, the Mechanics of Practice program. For people that are listening, they might be saying, this guy's really successful. Why would he do this program? So what first attracted you to Influence Ecology, or why did you first say yes to this program? Did someone tell you? Did you trust that? What, what happened that had you say yes to doing the Fundamentals of Transaction program here? Well, I would have to thank two people, and that would be Johnny Washington as well as Marcus Bell. We met each other through other areas of in our work around the world. What turned me on about this was that it taught you how to get clear about your identity and to begin to know what your identity would be in the marketplace. Now, I am somebody in the marketplace. I am known by many different names, many different titles. But what this got me clear about, I was clear about my identity. It gave me the distinction. And then it got me clear about my general knowledge and my specialized knowledge. And then I began to get clear, John. I knew I was worth something. 
but it gave me my value at a higher level. And then it allowed me to remove the waste that was around my life that was wasting or spending my value incorrectly. I got so clear about value. I realized that a lot of people have walked away from church looking for spirituality. And I got that. And so they're finding spirituality in other places. I also feel as though spirituality belongs in the church. So we unite spirituality as well as religion. And what is so beautiful about this work, you get into a lot of different practices. We begin to learn. If you don't, if really, if it doesn't get practiced, then it's not going to be in existence. And then whatever doesn't get measured will not get met. Well, the Bible, oh, now I'm preaching. It says he's given unto every, every man the measure of faith. So I started asking myself the question, how can I put metrics to my faith? Because if my faith can't be measured, then my faith is not met. It began to have me look at my practices. Was I practicing my faith? Was I doing good by people? Was I making the right request in the world for people to do good? Was I giving people invitations to a better life or invitation to a new way of success? So I started measuring, and then I started having other people measure. I started looking at my money and looking to see where was the priority of my money and how was I putting my money in priority and how I was practicing my economy. Once I began to take this work, I began to apply it to every area that there is a distinction in my life. This is really good. So in the beginning, it sounds like you got in touch with some naivete about value. Mm -hmm. You obviously knew there was value, but you got in touch with some naivete about your value and stopped doing some stuff. What did you stop doing or start doing? If you'd like to know more about Influence Ecology and our approach, you can register for free 30-day guest access. During this time, you can test drive our interactive webinars, online learning system, and private mentorship. Program participation is by application only, and successful participants earn candidacy into our advanced program tiers. Our members are an international assembly of ambitious professionals, business leaders, and executives from a variety of countries, industries, and cultures. To find out more, you can find a link in the show notes for this podcast at influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. That's influenceecology.com forward slash podcast. Or in the U.S. or Canada, you can text the word ambition to 805-262-9008 and we'll send the registration link right to your mobile phone. Again, text the word ambition to 805-262-9008. Also in our show notes, you'll find all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. I was naive about my identity. I knew I was a bishop in the church, but I didn't know what was the value of a bishop? What is the value of a person being an overseer of churches or an overseer of other bishops? What is the value? I had to begin to look at how much was my time worth. I had to begin to look at that value. So when people say, listen, can I come over and spend a day with you? I had to look at that value to say, do I want to take a day with this person? Because what will be the value out of that relationship? I started looking at every relationship as a value relationship. 
I started looking at my children. Now, some of it's going to sound really hard because people say, you put a value on your children. You better believe it because my children put a value on me. And it gave me the ability to be able to say no to requests they were made to me that they might said, but you're supposed to do this, says who? If you cannot translate this into value, I'm no longer going to invest in waste. So it started a new conversation around family. It started a new conversation around employees. Some people, we don't even have to fire them anymore. They leave because they get the world of value and they realize I'm taking more from this organization than this organization has given to me. I don't have a value here. I'm robbing you here. They get clear about that. So now we don't have to pay unemployment insurance to people because we don't have to fire them. They fire themselves because they are no longer have the naivete about work and around work. We've said it in all kinds of different ways around our programs and all the other podcasts. We've said something like, if you don't respect your own offer, no one else will. Meaning that if you don't respect your own value, other people won't respect your value also. It sounds like that's a primary lesson in terms of value that resonates with you and resonates with other people. Is that a a good way to summarize that? Oh, most definitely. And it's almost like a practice that we have from Holy Scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself. How can I love my neighbor if I have not learned how to value myself? When I learn to value myself, now I can value my neighbor. And that way, I am no longer just looking at a person by the color of their skin, by race, by color, by sex, by socioeconomics. I can begin to get the value of that individual and have and understand them as a being than just as a blog of flesh. Do unto others as you would have others to do unto you. I'm hearing that, and I've heard that, of course, before, and I'm hearing that in a new way. We love the statement, put the mask on first before you put it on other people, as they say in the airplane, right? Yes. Because many times transactionally, people don't put the mask on first, and so therefore they're disabled in their ability to care for others. What I love about this is in that nonprofit sector, in the spiritual world, in the world where you're supposed to care about people no matter what, in the world where it's about empowerment at any cost, in some of those instances where we find those kinds of customers of ours naive is they they care deeply about people. They care deeply about the state of the world. They care deeply about their spiritual growth. They care deeply about empowering people and sometimes don't tend to their self in the transaction. And, of course, we teach that with every fiber of our being. Yes. And, and I can hear you pointing to that. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Yes. In this world, we look at it as self-care. And you used a great analogy in the plane. It says, if the oxygen mask drop, you put the oxygen mask on first, and then for those others that you're caring for. Oftentimes what happens when we do humanitarian work or we are philanthropic, which phileo is the Greek word for love, anthros in the Greek means man, the love of man, the love of humanity. Sometimes we forget to love ourselves. And that's why we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I've been a very blessed person. I've been a very fortunate person. 
and I've had a lot of good things that was happening to me. And I began to realize the value of the good that happens to me empowered me to do good for other people. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm committed to people's growth and development. I can't even begin to say the number of people that I personally have taken on to really want to see them even do this course and to do this work and the people that we put through other education and put through college and stuff like this and keep it pretty much anonymous. But I say that to say this, when you start realizing the value of knowledge or the value of education or the value of learning, and what I love about Influence Ecology, it is literally an education. I believe it was uh, one of the philosophers that says, man, know thyself. And see, and until you know yourself, you are not granted existence into the world where you can thrive powerfully. I'll say it like that. So I know you've been a person committed to helping other people for many, many years satisfy some of their most important things in life that they do well. I'm clear that you have a commitment that people do well. You live in the way that honors them. And so here you are, you've come to Influence Ecology. You're now putting people into Influence Ecology. You've written many books on the subject of money, wealth, abundance, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So for you, given what you've learned here, is there anything else about what we've taught that helped illuminate your own naivetes? Are there important lessons you learned here that you have then taken into the business of your ministries? Most definitely. In the Bible, it says, Beloved, I wished above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So the prosperity of your inward man determines the prosperity of your outward man. So what does that mean to me? I've taken what I've learned in Influence Ecology and started measuring my health. Health is biological. I didn't realize that health was biological. Seemingly, I should have known that. But I was naive to that, although I go to anti-aging doctors. What it made me do now is bring an anti-aging doctor in and talk to our congregation about anti-aging. Talk to people about wellness. Talk to them about measuring health. And then I've learned that health is one of the conditions of life. Any condition you don't pay attention to, that condition you're going to suffer in. Your ignorance of a condition of life will create suffering in that condition of life. I've realized that politics is another condition of life. Now, in our community, in in the church world, in the black church, a lot of us, we don't like talking about politics. I mean, you know, when you say politics, I put my hand, how many of you don't like talking about politics? Just about 95% of the congregation raised their hand. I said, this is why you're suffering in the area of politics. Why? We're not willing to face this condition of life. And so (laughs) this ecology shoves into your face what you're not willing to face. What you're not willing to confront, you cannot change. What you're not willing to confront, you cannot transform. What you're not willing to confront, you're not transacting powerfully in, which means you're not thriving in that compartment or that ecology of life. 
Really, really well said. The specific language that we have for that makes it easy for people to see the 15 different conditions of life and that when you don't tend to them, you're not thinking accurately about one of them, when you're not confronting one of them, and you suffer in that area. And some of those things will impact all the other conditions. You don't take care of health, it threatens everything. You don't take care of money, it threatens everything. You don't take care of your identity, it threatens everything. This ecology allowed me to distinguish the difference between work and career. When you came and shared that with us about the example with Tiger Woods, boy, did that open up my, well, I said, oh my God, I felt like I was here a year and a half just to hear that, but it took me a year and a half to hear that. And about your identity. And I began to look at people in my congregation and people in my community and realize how many people are working all of their life, but they have been naive to career and never gotten an identity in the world of career. Yeah, not too many people are at work on their identity as a move to build wealth, to work less, to satisfy other things. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. Yeah, that's a big one, a very big one. And it was an eye-opener for me. So now, getting to try to get people to see Maybe you have to change your language from saying, I'm going to school to get a good education so I can get a good job. We're starting to rethink what is the purpose of education and looking at even education as a condition of life. Very good. All right. Well, I know you've introduced Influence College to many people, and you have a commitment to participate here at Influence College at high levels, and you've met many of the people from all over the world here at Influence Ecology. Amazing people, right? So for the people who are in your care, uh, for your congregations, for the people you're introducing Influence Ecology to, what is the commitment that you have? Well, I have a commitment to globalize the world with the prophetic, but my commitment more than that is before I could even do that, I am committed to growing every individual that is around me within my reach and growing them in body, mind, and spirit. Now, my wife said to me, I'm not doing no more transformational programs. I'm not going to no program. We had a bad experience with a program. She had a bad experience. I had a great experience. She said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. So I was coming to one of the mid-year and she said, I want to come along. I says, honey, I said, I'm not telling you have to come. She said, no, no I want to come. I'm just going to come. Said, I'm now listen, I'm not coming to no sessions. I says, you don't even have to come. You can just stay in the room. Or you can relax. She was sitting in the back of the room. By day three, she was looking for Liz. I said, what you looking for Liz for? Liz registering her. She says, I'm, I'm getting into the ecology. I said, hold it. I said, I didn't invite you into this. She says, no, I'm doing it. She saw something there. My wife says every day. <laughs> She says, those who transact powerfully thrives. She is so in that. And she's taken on a midnight call, a prayer call, where people are calling in from around the world with like 150 people plus on the call with her for a half an hour around the world. She started transacting. And this was a big takeaway for my wife. So that was one thing that she did. My brother-in-law took it and went and just started doubling his revenue stream and started impacting his life. He got his life back. He's taking his health back. My daughter, who we told her to get into it, she has her own marketing business. 
she started saying she picked up new clientels because of those she was able to say no to. Before she was taking every, she was swinging at every ball that was pitched to her. This ecology taught her not to swing at every ball. And now she's hitting home runs in life. You've had personally a, a huge increase in income from the course. I know other people have as well. Oh, yeah. We're, we're talking about income that has doubled. I re- Let me share this. I remember I took on one practice. I began to make requests. And I began to make requests. It was a practice. And in that request, in less than two weeks, I had raised $120,000. And I went just to try it. And I took it on as a measure. I says, I'm going to make a request of two people a day to begin to see $10,000 into a project we were about. And I started calling. And within two weeks, we had raised $120,000 plus. And so I had to begin to start looking at it. I says, this was available all of my life, but I just got present to it because I came out of being naive into knowing. That's what the psychology did. All right. I think the last thing I want to address is one of my favorite conversations with you, where you and I talk about coming from very different worlds. I'm one of those people I think about that when people say, you know, some old rich white guy, and you come from a different world altogether. You come from a very spiritual, rich background. I'm from a non-religious kind of guy. So these worlds are coming together and... We talked about you leading programs with Influence College and that you sought to master what we teach and you sought to be involved and you sought to make sure that the African-American community was on the front of, for you, you could tell was a movement that was well underway and so forth. We had a conversation in which we saw the opportunity of two it's not, I feel like we're opposites because we're so from, we're so from the same commitment, but two sort of parent opposites came together and that for both of us, it mattered in a bigger picture that people from opposite worlds, opposite sides of the island politics, opposite sides of all kinds of things come together and recognize their coexistence and the opportunities of helping one another. And I just wonder if I has anything you'd like to say about that conversation. Most definitely. And when I saw what the impact of this ecology was able to do, I said, hold it. I'm not going to be the only man on the block that's getting the cheese. I want the community to get it. And so I made a request of you of what can be done in order for this to happen. And so therefore, you've allowed the door to open so that two communities can really begin to come together and merge together to watch this, make a better world, make a difference. The world we are living in today, we got to get out of the trenches and into the future. What is the future? We got to go from exclusion to inclusion. And what is happening is those individuals that get stuck in exclusion, that means that they have not learned how to manage diversity. When I saw all of what you were about I said, this is going to be a great mix. I'm going to get a chance to get into John's world. John's going to get a chance to get into my world to prove that the world can work together with people having different point of views, having different walks of life, 
We're in an age right now where people want to take us back into exclusion. You know, the big thing is coming up now about immigration. And here, because of the internet, the world has become a village. If we don't learn how to manage our diversity, we're going to be headed towards extinction. And this ecology shows that diversity can be in the forefront to bring wholeness to humanity. That's why I love it. Very well said. Bishop Bernard Jordan, thank you so very, very much. It is a pleasure to work with you. It's a pleasure to know you. I certainly enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you. And thank you for your time. Thank you for, listen, thank you for having the vision and the nerve to step out to do this. And thank you for giving yourself to the planet and being a citizen of the world. You are welcome. It's my pleasure. Bless you. As I said in our Guru Talk, we listen in on an advanced program webinar classroom co-led by myself and co-founder Kirkland Tibbles, where we address the topic of satisfaction metrics and the measure of each of our conditions of life. John, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you just say something here about metrics. The condition of transaction satisfaction metrics is so important to pay attention to. And then I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to ask you, what metrics are you keeping? What metrics are you tracking? Do you and your best customers track any kind of metric with one another? That's that's the question. Have you thought about as a tactic in implementing some kind of tactic that demonstrates that you and your best customers are after the same thing? How are you demonstrating to your current customers and future customers that your offers are not only effective and valuable, but they are superior if you're not keeping metrics and can prove it? That's the question. That's why metrics are so important. John? It is my favorite. And I was just talking about this a few days ago with someone. There was, I think, four or five years ago, Kirkland, I said to you, I lead from the measures. And you say, what is that? I don't know what you mean when you say I lead by the measures. So what I would say was something like, look, the measures tell me everything. The measures tell me whether or not somebody is taking the actions they know to take. The measures tell me whether or not somebody is deliberately practicing. The, the measures tell me if someone's full of it or not. And I think this is my rant for today about this. So many of us are here because we we got the idea in our mind. We got it real clear that we're never going to satisfy our aims unless we think accurately about each one of those conditions of life and how to measure the satisfaction of those conditions that we're never going to meet. Most of us are never going to meet the financial aims that we have. Now, thank goodness for the study, because that's not true for most of the people here. But prior to learning about influence ecology, and that was probably true for most of us. So this thing about measures, this thing about satisfaction metrics, this thing about metrics, this thing about that without action, knowledge remains untried, unproven, mere information. I just want to take a moment and say, look, you and I live in a world where mostly what we get is bullshit and band music about how things are going, whether or not we're satisfied, whether or not we're satisfying our financial aims, or just step on this scale. How's it going with that number? And what are you doing about it or not? So I look at these measures each and every time, 
And there are people who I just I applaud you with every 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 applause I could give that. There's just a lot of applause because you take this seriously. You know, you know that without the measures, you know you don't mean it. You know you're you're full of it if you're not measuring it. So for those of you that are really taking measurements seriously, the measurement of certain health conditions, the measurement of financial conditions, the measurement of the success of your offers and the income it produces, for those of you that are doing that and doing that seriously, I applaud you. And I applaud you also for the consequential conditions that you provide within your study groups and within your organizations and congregations and the like. I applaud you. Because what we're all doing together is we're all getting just a little bit better. In our next episode, we interview Lisa Baptista, a senior faculty member at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic, a leading chiropractic institution with an international reputation for excellence. She talks about embracing her judgmental nature. I don't have to get out of my comfort zone to be involved in a transaction. I know where my strength lies, and sometimes I'm not necessary in a transaction. From invitation into to fulfill, you need a positive, forward-thinking person that's going and really push what it is you want in that transaction. You don't want somebody like me in there because I'll cut it off. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share it with others. You can share it from our website at influenceecology.com. You can subscribe on iTunes or any place you get your podcasts. If you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment, go to iTunes, and let us know what you think. Thank you for another great episode of the Influence Ecology Podcast. I'm your host, John Patterson. I'd like to thank our guests for a great interview. In our show notes, you'll find links to connect with them and all the links to websites, books, or special downloads mentioned in this podcast. This podcast is made possible by the brilliant work of the Influence Ecology staff, mentors, and members around the world. We're grateful for co-founder Kirkland Tibbles and his 30-plus years of specialized study and practice that make all this possible. Episode producer, editor, and music supervisor is Jason Kelly. Podcast, copy, and show notes, editing, and links by Carol Gregory.